On this episode of Talk Truth, we will be answering a question from an anonymous listener. I was saved when I was 10, but since I turned 15, I have struggled with depression and suicidal thoughts. Does this mean that I am not saved or that I lack faith? Welcome to Talk Truth, a McGregor podcast where we dive into scripture, gain insight from community, and biblically answer life questions. Talk Truth will answer life questions submitted by our listeners every other week. If you have a question for Talk Truth, you can submit your questions on our website. I'm your host, Chloe Weimer. Let's open the word, gather together, and talk some truth. joined by Dr. Ron Cook, a licensed mental health counselor in Fort Myers, Florida. Ron, thank you for joining me on Talk Truth. Thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah, you've been on a McGregor podcast before. I have. Yes. So that was a couple of weeks back, right? It was one of our first episodes for here at home. I believe so. Yeah. One of the early ones. Yeah. If you are listening to this episode, you'll have to go back to that here at home podcast and listen to Dr. Ron Cook and Mark have a good conversation. So Ron, can you tell me a little bit more about your practice and what you do here in Fort Myers? Sure. So technically I'm a licensed mental health counselor uh, under the you know state of Florida, you know, medical, what do they call it? Department of Health. That's it. <laughs> um, so I have a, a Christian counseling practice here in town. So basically what we do is, you know, we, we take psychology, neuroscience, and, and we integrate that with theology and spirituality. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're holding scripture up as our, our standard of truth and then using other principles that agree with scripture to try to help people with, you know, a vast range of uh, psychological issues, emotional, uh, different mental health issues, relational issues, all sorts of things like that. That's amazing and so, so needed. So for the listener that asked the question, if you missed it, um, it sounds like they struggle with depression, but they were saved when they were 10. And so um, I don't know how long this listener has struggled with this depression, but they say it was since they were 15. And so I know people who have struggled with depression for their whole lives, pretty much. And so um, I'm, I'm sure that you have a lot of wisdom to offer this listener and anyone else who has gone through a season or who has struggled for it for with it for many seasons. Um, but to answer this listener's question, we need to first define what depression is. So Ron, can you help us with that? I can certainly try. <laughs> so when we use the word depression, we're, we're using a very vague term, a very mm-hmm. general term. That's not a specific diagnostic term that we use, but it is general. And so it could be referring to a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. But in general, if we think about the term depressed, if we break that down, all right, depressed means to be pressed down. And so I once heard this illustration of what is depression and basically said, if you, if you take something soft, like a pillow and you set something heavy, let's, let's just say an iron on top of that. Mm -hmm. And it, and that pillow collapses and, and it's pressed in that is depressed. Then if you, if you only leave it there for a little while, you take the weight off, it's going to kind of come back to its natural shape and be okay. But if you leave it there for an extended period of time, and then you take the iron away, there's going to be a depression still left in that pillow. Hmm. And so that's one way to kind of think about what is depression. It means that there's been a heavy weight of some sort that's been crushing us, pressing us down. 
And in some cases, that's a very brief thing. Sometimes that's a much longer term thing. Yeah. But it, it leaves an impact. It leaves a mark in us. So that's a simple way of thinking about it. When we start talking clinically, then we start talking about what are depressive disorders. Uh, then you get into all sorts of different things. Uh, you get into things like major depressive disorder or dysthymia, which is kind of a depression over a long period of time uh, that's not quite as severe. Uh, and then it just kind of expands from there. Hmm. Yeah, it's definitely, it, well, actually, you could tell me, it, what is the difference between just having a bad day and feeling sad and being depressed or maybe having a bad couple of days? Sure. So, you know, again, we're talking on a spectrum. You know, if we're saying does to go back to the illustration, putting a heavy weight on something soft, is that going to happen to everyone at some point for a day or for a couple of days? Sure, we're all going to experience that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes even that depression is going to be symptom of something else, such as grief. Uh, that's one of the well-known phases of grief uh, that we go through is depression. Yeah. Uh, it can be a response to trauma, things like that. So you might have a bad day. That's not necessarily depression. It's kind of like putting the weight on there, taking it off. There's not a depression that's left. Mm -hmm. It's just a temporary thing. When we start looking clinically at things, we start looking at time frames and we start looking at severity and we're looking at different collections of symptoms, basically. Okay. Uh, and so, you know, when we start to get out to, okay, it's been a couple of weeks, things are severe enough that they're impacting my ability to function in my job. It's impacting my social relationships uh, for students. It's impacting their ability to function in school. Then we're talking about something that is, you know, probably a bit more severe. Yeah. I have had conversations with people throughout time that have wondered if it is a physical problem or if it's a spiritual problem. And that kind of sounds like what this listener is asking as well. And so do you have any insight for that? So uh, that's a complicated question. Um, my, my simple answer to that is yes. Um, <laughs> it is, um, it's systemic. And, and one of the things that I really look at, I, I try not to look at mental health separate from physical health because our brains are embodied. They are part of our physical body. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, if there's something going on with our brain, it's still a physical issue. Mm -hmm. Now, certainly our brains are kind of the intersection point with our spirit as well. Yeah. And so that is affected by spiritual issues. That can be affected by you know, other psychological issues, but I really look at things holistically. You know, I would rather look at it and say, instead of, is it a spiritual issue or is it a physical issue? I would say, all right, what part of this is spiritual? Mm -hmm. What part of this is physical? And so we're always looking to see what's exactly here and not trying to just compartmentalize it. Yeah, it would make sense that it would be both because if everything in creation has been affected by the fall, then that would be our minds too. Sure. And so, or, or even the hormones that are released into your body and how they affect you. So that makes a lot of sense. Now, um, on that topic of, of it being a spiritual and a physical problem, um, there are a lot of people who wonder if counseling is biblical, if Jesus is basically all that they need, or if medication is biblical. Those are two completely different things, but they're both sure. roads to healing. Sure. And so really we're kind of starting out with the same question, and that is, is Jesus all that I need? And, and so to then take that question, we have to say, is Jesus all I need for what? Mm -hmm. To what extent? Maybe even another way of saying it, and this is how I often hear it, is not necessarily is Jesus all I need, because we know that in all of life, sin is our greatest problem, and Jesus is the only answer to that. Mm -hmm. So at base level, absolutely. 
Um, we know that everything is rooted in sin, as you just mentioned. That goes back to the fall um, and how our bodies have been corrupted by sin. And so, therefore, Jesus is the answer to that as far as our standing before God uh, for all of eternity. But then it's the question of, okay, well, is Scripture all I need hmm. in order to deal with a particular issue? And again, this is where I go back to I don't like to differentiate so much between mental health and physical health because I don't run into a lot of people who ask me, is it appropriate to see my doctor if I've got an infection? That's just kind of generally accepted that, sure, if you've got an infection, go see your doctor and get some help. Yeah. We never ask, is, is Jesus all I need to cure my infection or is Scripture all I need to, to deal with my infection? We go see a doctor. We get some ointment. We get some medication. We get something to resolve that issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think about that in mental health terms, too, that, yes, there's this intersection point between our body and our spirit that occurs here. And so there's a spiritual component of it that we must turn to in yeah. order to you know, be on the road to healing. But there's also a physical component. And so therefore, that's where counseling can kind of come in. Because sometimes it's, you know, with depression, we may be just having thoughts that we're stuck on that mm-hmm. are unhelpful thoughts. You know, they're not holy. They're not true. We may be believing lies from things in our past. There's all sorts of things that could be there. Cognitive challenges. There could be emotions that we're dealing with. Or it could be really physical where we're talking about hormone levels, uh, with depression in general, we know that the, the neurotransmitter serotonin is always involved in depression. Mm-hmm. And so if someone has you know, too little serotonin in their, in their brain, then they're going to be depressed. And there's nothing other than increasing that serotonin supply that's going to help alleviate that. Yeah. So I would say that, yes, counseling is biblical. In fact, if we look back at Scripture, we see instances where counseling is encouraged for general things, for life. Uh, for example, Proverbs 24, 6, in an abundance of counselors is great wisdom. Um, Proverbs eleven fourteen, where there's no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there's safety. Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the challenges we have is as we go to the Lord with our mental health struggles, yeah. how do we hear from him, him clearly? Well, we hear through his word, and then we need to hear truth sometimes from other people, and that's what a counselor can provide. For someone, especially if it's a Christian counselor, yeah. who is focused on pointing them towards absolute truth at the same time. Yeah. So at the beginning of the episode, you kind of talked about like when somebody will know that they're depressed. And so when will somebody know that they should see a counselor? Because I've heard it lots of different ways. Like people say, everybody should see a counselor. Even if you think you don't need to see one, you should see one. Or, but it, 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 it is an investment, you sure. know? So when does somebody know that they are reaching that point? That's a great question. And uh, I guess the first thing I could do is, you know, well, I could try to drum up business. You know? <laughs> um, but, but, but we don't need that. We actually have a major problem right now that there's not enough counselors to meet the demand that's already there. Mm-hmm. So my, my perspective on that is look at whatever issue you're dealing with. How long has it been going on? If it, if it just started today and it seems to be a relatively mild issue, okay, let's see, let's see what happens. And then kind of a next step beyond that is if, if you're involved in a church, see if there are some lay people that you can talk to that, that might be able to help you with that. We have a great lay ministry here at our church mm-hmm. so that people can go for no cost and, and begin getting some help. And then it's kind of a stair-step approach from there. Yeah. You know, if the issue continues to persist, if it continues getting worse, and there's some other things we'll talk about that if they exist, then it, 
kind of ramps that up quickly. But um, it's kind of a stair step of, is it persisting? Is it not getting better? Are the symptoms getting worse? Is it affecting your ability to function in your work, in your school, uh, in your social relationships, family relationships, things like that? Mm-hmm. Then I absolutely think the best thing someone can do is, is talk to a professional and at least let them help you evaluate what's going on here. Okay. When someone does see that professional and they offer medication and they have this, I mean, that's, that's sometimes I, I think that people feel shameful that they would have to, they would be prescribed something. And, um, I don't know. What, what, what do you think about that? <laughs> How did I know we were going to talk about that today? Um, actually, you know, I, I address this question probably just about every day because the vast majority of my clients are Christians. Yeah. Uh, and so when I start to work with someone, I'm, I'm evaluating. I'm just trying to understand what's going on. If I detect something like depression, then it kind of becomes, all right, let's talk about what the options are. What are the things that we can do here? And, and medication is considered one of those options. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some cases, if something is severe enough, for example, if, if someone is actively contemplating suicide, then we want to intervene much more um, aggressively than we would if something's kind of just starting out. So we might go to medication more quickly because uh, research has shown us that in order to adequately treat severe depression, we need to use a combination of some counseling techniques coupled with depression, uh, or coupled with medication. And so there are times that we absolutely need to go to that. And because I work with a heavily Christian population, uh, I regularly have people saying, you know, I don't know that I want to do that. Uh, my church or my pastor says that's not okay. And again, I go back to why are we separating mental health from physical health? We, we never ask, all right, I have, a, I have kidney disease. So is it okay for me to take medication to prevent my kidney disease from getting worse? Mm -hmm. We just know that, that, of course, um, we have high blood pressure. We have diabetes. Should I take insulin to, you know, keep my blood sugar from ruining my life and costing my my life? Yes, of course, go take the insulin. But for some reason, we draw this line between mental health and physical health and say, now, if it's a mental health issue, you can't take medication for that. Mm -hmm. And, And really, when you look at it that way, it just doesn't make sense. Okay. Now this is, we've been talking a lot about the physical part of it, but I want to take a turn and talk more about the spiritual side. So you said yes, when I asked you, is it a physical or a spiritual problem? And so I want to know how does Satan tempt us with our emotions? So here's the funny thing about Satan. Um, he's not a nice guy. Nah. Um, He, um, (laughs) he knows where our weaknesses are. Yep. And he likes to exploit those weaknesses. One area in particular that I see Satan really trying to use these things to his advantage is, you know, if, if you've experienced any kind of hurt in life, especially if you experience things that we would call trauma, mm-hmm. well, when you experience those things, it's, it's as though your brain opens up a bit and you're more willing to believe things that people tell you. And I think that often Satan uses those moments to, to drop lies into our minds you're not good enough. You're never going to amount to anything. No one's ever going to love you. Things like that. And so those may be sitting there simmering. And then as we go on through life, there are moments where he sees a weakness. And so he chooses to exploit that moment Mm -hmm. and say, I know where your weak spot is. I know where your vulnerability is. I'm going to hit you hard. And suddenly we start entertaining those thoughts. Yeah, here I am. Nobody's ever going to love me. My life's not going where I thought it would be going. Mm-hmm. And so he gets, he gets us to focus on those thoughts. And when we do that, we're no longer focused on Christ. Yeah. 
Yeah. And we're no longer focused on what He has done for us and, and the gift that He has given us of salvation for all eternity and removing our sin debt. We can't look at any of that when we're so focused on these inward, this, this inward criticism. Mm-hmm. It's almost like He comes and He just plants the, the seed and your flesh just starts to gnaw off of whatever that seed is growing and just that's how it feeds itself. And he doesn't even really need to bother you because when you travel down those paths in your mind, then you're, you get used to living like that. And right. It makes sense. But how do we combat that? So I think... Um Number one, we need to understand the difference between guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are walking around, they confuse these two terms, you know, saying, oh, I just feel so guilty for things I've done in the past or mistakes that I've made in my life, things like that. And so I, I tend to tell people, you know, guilt is a tool that the Holy Spirit uses to alert us to the presence of sin and invite us into repentance and reconciliation of the relationship. So there's no condemnation in that. There's, hey, here's a problem. Let's solve the problem. Let's get the relationship straightened out and get back on track. Opposed to that is shame. And I believe that shame is a tool that Satan uses to keep us in bondage to sin and prevent reconciliation of our relationship with Mm -hmm. Christ. And so first of all, we need to understand that difference because a lot of times Satan comes in and he lies. He says, I know what you've done. I I know the things that you did in your past and you you know God's not even going to accept you, right? You know, and remember what you did, remember what you did, remember what you did. And since Romans 8, 1 tells us, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, we have to combat that, that if it sounds like condemnation, it is not of God. Yeah. That is Satan trying to lie to us. So that's, I think, one of the things we need to do to combat that. The other thing that Satan uses a lot is hopelessness. And hopelessness is one of the indicators, you know, we kind of look for with depression to see how severe it is. Um, and especially hopelessness, once hopelessness, you know, kind of takes root, that unfortunately is, is one of the main indicators of suicide. And so we really want to be careful with that one because Satan says, you're right, nobody's ever going to love you. Hmm. Nobody's ever going to care about you. You might as well give up. Yeah. It's never going to get any better than it is right now. And so we've got to take that captain and say, that is absolutely false mm-hmm. because God has told us that through Him we have life eternally. And in this life, we may have some good days, we may have some bad days, but the hope that is waiting for us out there, that eternal hope, is so much greater that we can't allow Satan to get trap us into hopelessness. Yeah. And being in, I mean, yeah, being in the Word is what we need to remind ourselves of that hope, no matter what kind of season that you're going through. And it doesn't... Yes, the medication can help your state of mind, but it's not going to remind you of your hope. It may it may help your serotonin levels be sure. be normal, but that's not what's feeding your spirit. It's it's the word that does. Sure. The one thing that that I never like to see, and and it's been kind of funny to see this change, even with the psychiatric community, mm-hmm. is that I've never liked to see people just take medication. I always want to see that as an adjunct therapy to the counseling relationship so that we understand medication does not cure anything when it comes to depression. It alleviates symptoms. Yeah. And so it may be that we use medication for a while so that the work we're doing in counseling is more effective, that we're able to dig in and deal with the underlying issues and things. And now even the psychiatric community is kind of getting on board with that 
and saying, if we're going to prescribe you medication, we want to know that you're talking to a counselor as well. Hmm. Yeah, dealing with the root problem, our sin right. problem. That's that's really good. So how can I be there for my friend that struggles with depression? Not just, I mean, I feel like this episode is good for knowing if you have depression or if you should see a counselor, but maybe somebody's listening to this and they they don't struggle with it, but they know somebody who does. How can we help them? So the first thing is is be willing to listen to them. Um, most people who are dealing with depression um, feel isolated. They feel alone. And this is especially true in our Christian community because there is a degree of stigma that's associated with mental health issues. And so be willing to listen. Listen carefully. Don't dismiss. Don't try to fix it right away. Mm-hmm. second thing I think you can do is, and this is what I do with my clients, I try to normalize it a bit. Try to help people understand you are not the only one suffering with this. You're not even the only one who's ever suffered with this. Um, quite often, you know, I'll, I'll even reach back into the past and I'll identify, you know, key church figures that have dealt with mental health issues. For example, uh, Martin Luther, uh, a great reformer, you know, with his 95 theses, he kind of turned the world upside down. Yeah. Uh, but this is a guy who had some very serious mental health concerns as well depression, possibly bipolar disorder and OCD, uh, to the point that he would even engage in, you know, flogging himself. Uh, And so sometimes I'll remind people, hey, some of our great heroes of the faith have dealt with some of these things too. Charles Spurgeon was very depressed. He had some some very serious depressive episodes. And in fact, one of his letters to his students in his book, Letters to My Students, he he writes about some of that to try to help them understand, hey, this is going to affect you at some point. Don't be surprised by it. Mm-hmm. So I think as we listen to people who are suffering with it, sometimes we remind them, Satan wants you to think that you're the only one and that because you're dealing with depression or, or something else, therefore that's a sign of rejection or that you know you really aren't good enough, more condemnation. So I think listen to them, remind them that lots of people struggle with this. In fact, mm-hmm. um, statistics tell us that about, uh, at any given time, about 25% of the population of the U.S. is dealing with a mental health issue. And depression accounts for, um, actually, depression is as common as all the other issues combined. Mm-hmm. So re- kind of normalizing it a little bit, letting them know that we're there for them, checking in on them occasionally, not necessarily trying to fix it, pointing them to Scripture, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. especially in the early stages of something before it gets so severe. Let's go to God word, God's Word. Let's look at His promises to us. You know, let's combat that hopelessness early on. Mm -hmm. Let's see what he's done. Let's see what he's still doing. Let's look at your own life and see what he's already done for you and and trust that he's going to carry you through this as well. And then at that point, if it continues to get worse, then absolutely try to refer them to somebody that can help them to go deeper into what's going on. Yeah. I've even found that praying with somebody and not just for somebody is very helpful in, in just edifying them and lifting their spirits, you know? Um, and then sometimes we say, oh, I'll pray for you, and we don't do it, you know? But being a man or a woman of your word and just doing it right then and there, that means a lot to that sure. person, I think. Um, so this is the last question. What do I do if I am experiencing suicidal thoughts or, and actually, what do I do if my friend is experiencing those thoughts? So number one is uh, don't stay silent. Uh, talk to somebody. And, you know, depending on who's listening to this, you know, we, we could be talking to, to an adolescent mm-hmm. who's, uh, you know, still under their parents' care. 
Uh, and if and if that's their situation and they're having those suicidal, talk to your parents. Uh, get them involved. Let them help. You know, share that burden because nobody needs to carry that alone. Um, if if you if you can't do that, go to your go to your youth pastor. Uh, go to a teacher at school. Go to somebody and bring as many people as you can into this conversation mm-hmm. so that you're not alone, so that Satan doesn't have any more room in order to keep tempting you with those thoughts. And so talk to someone. If we're talking about adults, same thing. You know, talk to a friend. Let them know what's going on. Um, statistically, again, most most human beings, in fact, the statistics point to close to 100% of people at some point in their life have a suicidal thought. Hmm. Um Sometimes quite a few of them. And so it's not that that's uncommon. It's what we do with it when it inevitably comes, because that's one of Satan's temptations to us. And so we need other people to help help us hear truth so that we don't get distracted by Satan's lies. Yeah. Um, God has definitely made his creation to display his glory, and he's given doctors like you the knowledge and wisdom to provide options for people who might need the help. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and everything that you know about depression. Um, Listeners, if you know somebody who is struggling with depression, please share this episode with them. Please listen to them. Please pray with and for them. Point them to scripture. Take something away from this. Let us know what you learned from today's episode and how God has challenged you. How will you apply what you have learned? Thank you so much again, Dr. Ron, for joining us. And Talk Truth listeners, thank you for spending your time with us. If you haven't yet connected with us online, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and be sure to check out all of our other McGregor podcast channels. Just head over to talktruthpodcast.com for all the details and please make sure to join us next episode to talk with Dr. Ron about anxiety. We would love to hear from you. Write us a review however you are listening to this. Thank you so much for listening and remember to talk truth.